welcome to your daily game face. I am Dr. Kim Landon coming to you from freezing cold near Boston, Massachusetts. And I am here with Lou Blasey. We are in a very good mood this morning. We can't talk about cold or snow with our guest. I, what, right. No, so we have, we a have very, nothing to talk about. <laughs> we have a very special guest today who is, I would consider in feet and feet in tundra weather <laughs> up in Minnesota. But before I say who it is, because I know some people already know who's here, um, I wanted to talk about the fact that I'm so excited to have her here. I was just telling her that I got up extra early because <laughs> I'm so excited because yep. I love Tammy. Um, but I wanted to give a background. So today I have a special guest to close out the new year, to close out the old year, bring in the new year mm -hmm. with Tammy these. She's the founder and owner of Wildcat Sanctuary in Sandstone, Minnesota. And um, she's here to talk about a whole bunch of things that we will go on and on about because I'm hoping we have enough time. And then if not, we'll have to have her back. <laughs> um, but we have many things. And given that people have already asked me because I boosted the show this week to get lots of people to listen and I've been getting lots of feedback, people are like, you have a health and wellness show. And what does this have to do with? And I and well, one, everyone knows that I have philanthropic things and one of them is big cats mm -hmm. and the whole big, big cat public safety act and my involvement and in trying to help that along in the past few years. And then what I do with veterinary clinics and sanctuaries around the country and abroad with how to um, help with compassion fatigue. And then I just have a wonderful, loving side to just save animals. Um, and so what better person to have here than Tammy Thies? Now, background on Tammy is um, that she's a woman entrepreneur, in my mind, a leader. She's an eloquent speaker who I've had the honor and privilege of being around in person, hearing her speak and be motivating and capturing an audience at a gala. Um, and in my mind, raise more money in less than two minutes than I've seen ever happen in my <laughs> life because she's so good at it and people love her. And, um, but bigger than that is, uh, the show that I always do is about people finding their passion and following their own dreams and not getting stuck and not feeling down and, um, really trying to get what they really love in life so that they have a better fulfilling life. And I think, you know, Tammy embodies that because she came from, I'm going to let her tell her story, but she came from some places and lot, did lots of sacrifices, which people do to make their passions come true. And, um, and she has lots of really great things. So we have a few highlights. She did just bring back four beautiful little lion cubs from the Ukraine, which she's going to talk about um, mm -hmm. recently to the um, sanctuary. Uh, they just got walloped with what I think in my mind is like 10 feet of snow across <laughs> across the tundra of Minnesota that they've been clearing that I've seen them clear for the past week and a half. Um, and then she is also going to talk about, most importantly, the big, the big Cat Public Safety Act, which has been on the table um, in the House and Senate for a long time, getting ready to be passed and what it is basically, and I'm going to have her talk about it, but you know, I've talked about it with the um, ability to have people um, have no more ownership privately of big cats and exotics um, and to have no more buying, breeding, trading, touching, selling of, you know, sort of pseudo zoos and pay for play uh, scams and roadside attractions, roadside attractions <laughs> and other things and people and their fascination, which I want to talk about with her too, is 
you know, I have the psychological side of like things of like why people get into big cats and their status and why people get into be crazy cat people. Um, but so we have tons to talk about today. That's why I said we might need two shows. So on that note, let's bring Tammy these into the mix. And there's Hello. Tammy. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here, Tammy. So so, so first off, how much snow did you get in the past five days? Well, honestly, it's a small amount of snow compared to what we've had in Minnesota. It's 18 inches, but it started with layers of ice. And so we've designed enclosures that snow can go through. But once you have a cover of ice, the snow doesn't go through. So uh, we have had to clear over 80 habitat roofs and recurves and um, I just have to send kudos to my staff and volunteers and interns. Man, they are doing hard labor and they are wonderful people. And and they they are because I have met them and they <laughs> they work tirelessly and they love the animals, which I think helps them. But when you have snow, I'm from Vermont, so I can I can yeah. feel Tammy's pain that there's not quite snow in southern states like i'm in now comparatively to being up north yeah. and it's snow like nobody's business yeah and when you get that wet dense snow it's they call it what heart attack snow because yeah. it's so heavy to move and Ooh. things like that luckily uh, everybody's safe and sound cats and humans so and one of the lovely things about uh, tammy's uh sanctuary so she has uh, over 100 cats mm -hmm. uh, right and she has 40 acres we have 45 built out and then 40 that is still raw land right and so on that area she has all of, i think this is one of the most fantastic things is all the cats have their outdoor enclosures where they have lots of freedom and space which is always the misnomer that people criticize like oh yeah. the people are you know the cats are in these little spaces yeah. that's not true because i've seen it firsthand but also i love the fact that tammy's whole crew has indoor heated enclosures and they have tvs for the cats yeah. well i mean our biggest thing is you know we can rescue animals but we can't we need to keep them mentally and physically stimulated and uh you know they might not watch the same shows we watch but nature channels and cartoons things with a lot of voices and and that really started out when we were rescuing cats that were so afraid of humans because they've been mistreated so much. Um, and we wanted to get them used to voices in a non-invasive way because they were so afraid of human presence. And that's how we kind of discovered uh, playing videos and movies and things would get them neutralized to humans talking. And um, that's kind of how it came. And now it's just fun for cats to all have their own TV, especially if they're cooped up inside while we're shoveling outside. <laughs> so. They have, they have uh, Tom and Jerry or Paw Patrol? <laughs> or what going on well, the, uh, we have two uh, three-year-old lions that were rescued from Tiger King, and she, they could not watch nature shows because when we put on nature shows, their prey drive goes up and they're like crazy at the fence. So uh, there's a big sign on their TV, no nature shows for Aurora and Alana. <laughs> so what is that, right? Yeah. Right? Um, okay, so okay, so lots of things. See, I would jump into all the like, I, you know, what I call the Santa Claus moments of all the fun things with yeah. Tammy. So, um, so really quickly, I want Tammy for you to certainly tell us the background of how you got into doing this, what drove you. I know that you started in Atlanta, you had a big executive career and so on and so forth. And what led you to going from Atlanta to, you know, the tundra of Minnesota and bringing <laughs> everyone up there. But tell us the story of like how you got involved with wanting to do what you do. 
Yeah, it's interesting. My whole life, I was um, driven at an early age. I uh, graduated college and high school early. I double majored. You know, I just I could never get enough of life. I wanted always the next step. And um, so I was going to be in corporate America as an advertising exec. I finished early. I was one of the youngest people to be in the marketing department at Coca-Cola in Georgia. And I thought I was on the fast track of the life I had always designed for myself. And then um, I saw a big cat on a photo shoot being in advertising and marketing and was smitten like everybody else thinking, oh, this must be, you know, this really amazing guy with these wild cats. And uh, soon was disheartened that really they were just props. Uh, and so I always say if that video, uh, photo shoot that day had potbelly pigs, I might be here talking about a potbelly pig sanctuary. Um, and so I kind of researched it more and more and realized, you know, you only needed $80 permit at that time to breed, sell, buy endangered species pretty much across the U.S. And this gentleman had been indicted for drug trafficking and big cat crates, animal abuse, things like that. And yet he was still allowed to operate. So my mom um, had remember those parade magazines that you always used to come in the, the Sunday paper. There was an article with actress Tippi Hedren, which is Melanie Griffith's mom and Dakota Johnson's grandma, for those that don't know who Tippi from the birds is. And uh, so I was like, I'm going to call her and see what can be done, thinking I'd be getting this big company and everything. And actually, actress Tippi Hedren answered the phone. And she said, uh, don't go out trying to get more animals surrendered to us. Sanctuaries are full. If you want to do something, either market or help a sanctuary. So she invited me out to Shambhala in California. And the rest was history. I started doing this little by little. Uh, I do remember uh, getting a call from Homeland Security one day when I was at my advertising job and saying that there was a little boy that was falling asleep in class. And when his teacher said what was going on, he said his pet tiger was keeping him awake at night. And he had scratches all over his body and authorities went in and yep, there was a tiger in this little boy's bedroom, about six months old. So I went and picked up this tiger and she was a little pit bull of a girl. This little tiger would bite and hold on. And I had to drop her off um, before I could go into my corporate job. So I show up at my corporate job with some bloody arms and a white shirt ready to shake the client's hand. And, and that's when my boss said, I think it's time you decide really what you want to do for a living because <laughs> trying to split these two isn't great. And um, I realized that I, even though I loved my corporate job, I wanted something more meaningful. I didn't have a biology degree or anything like that. So I surrounded myself with biologists, caretakers. I visited every sanctuary in the world. And in 1999, I opened and started the sanctuary in Atlanta, Georgia. And then in 2001, I moved it back to Minnesota where I'm from, knowing I needed friends, family surrounding me to start a nonprofit. So the rest is history. And, and, that, and, and that's how I think a lot of like things start off so small mm -hmm. and you don't realize and then all of a sudden it's on a roll, but that makes a huge. So Tammy, that that's a huge sacrifice in terms and, and a huge commitment and passion from within, from clearly something from either childhood or something that you had in your head about, I don't know if you wanted to rescue cats per se, or if you were just involved in animals or something just philanthropic in general that you were selfless. Cause that takes a selfless person. When we look at people and their psychology of how some people are just so empathic towards 
something and it it drove you towards that and to to stay that course because what you do for a living now is i would consider harder than the marketing job that you were doing oh and yeah it, it it requires so much more mental energy bandwidth we, you know compassion fatigue that we've talked mm -hmm. about i talk about all the time on the show about like with veterinary clinics and other sanctuaries that i've worked with like it's amazing how much work goes into commitment of being there and you're there all the time yeah and even though over the years we've built and have a wonderful staff and people that are there and i can take days off which i never could before um, you know, I missed Thanksgiving again with my family this year for the Ukraine Lion Cubs Rescue. On Christmas uh, Day, I got a call from the veterinarian. Um, so it has taken a toll in many ways. Um, it gives me a lot of rewards, but there's holidays I've missed, uh, the stress of the snowstorm, making sure the employees and animals are safe. Um, also knowing that I have to raise money to continue this work because every cat we take in hopefully will live to be 20 plus years. So when we took in the Ukraine lion cubs, I know I have to be sustainable for 20 more years to uh, care for those animals. So luckily it takes a pride of people to do the work I do. And I'm surrounded by wonderful, wonderful friends and family. Uh, but I'm not the only one making sacrifices. I have so many staff that gave up Christmas holidays to shovel and make sure the sanctuary is safe. Um, and they're doing at the same time we're rescuing and also saying goodbye to those uh, residents that we've had with us a long time. And it's, um, you know, it's a really challenging job, but I'm so thankful people are willing to do it because we have to be their voice. Animals don't have a voice. And so um, we'll continue to do this and, you know, till more things and laws get passed to protect animals. So we're excited of some of the new news we'll share today. Well, this is the other side of what you talked about when you're living a life with intent and passion and you're working in that intent and passion, right. the line gets blurred between work and life. And mm -hmm. that's when it's all consuming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I've been in a bad place. Um, I'll be honest. I lived at the sanctuary for many years. I lived away from my husband so that I could be at the sanctuary. And there was 21 days I didn't leave the property. The only reason I left the property was before Amazon was I was out of dog food. <laughs> and I just thought this is not healthy for me or the animals. Like the to-do list is always going to be this long. Um, and so I just have to chop away at it, but knowing and accepting that I'm never going to get it done. I'm a check the box type of person and move on. You're not going to ever do that when you're rescuing animals. It's just going to be backfilling and backfilling. And you have to realize that's how it is. And you do your part and you know, your part's making a difference. Well, when I was, I was with Tammy back in October, October, October I'm like, which month was it? Um, I was, we were, we were talking about the fact that when she goes out grocery shopping, she doesn't just do <laughs> grocery shopping. She also is like, and that's for a cat and that's for a cat. <laughs> She's always doing, yep. it's, it's always part, it's, it's intermingled with everything. So it's a different kind of job because, you know, it's not a separated out. It's a, it's everything's part of the life, which is a little bit different than a lot of people's jobs. People leave them, go home, have family time. But when you're in a sanctuary like this and you're doing this, this is 24 seven, even though their staff and volunteers, everyone's similarly doing mm -hmm. that kind of thing. I'm on PTO today, just to give yeah. you an example. <laughs> so. No, and, and I think that that's, I don't think people realize how much work goes into it. And so 
uh, and knowing that. And speaking of that, before we get into some of the other pieces, um, in the comment section that people can see, and I've seen a ton of people commenting, and thank you, I will get to some of the questions. I've seen them scrolling by, and I've got people lighting up my phone as well, so <laughs> hopefully I can get to all of them, which I knew was going to happen. Um, Lou has been gracious to put up multiple links on how to donate to Wildcat Sanctuary, the monthly pride, um, and Tammy, correct me if I'm wrong, because I know that last night... <laughs> I, again, I'm already a monthly pride um, donator, but I, I got sucked in again last night. <laughs> and I didn't even realize I was like, oh, I can do that because it matches. Yep. Right now for year, year end, we have a donor that wanted to do a year and match double donations now through December 31st. See, and I'm so. a sucker. So. <laughs> well, matches are the best way to make your gift go further. Right. And um, it's so wonderful when donors, it used to be where we'd have to call donors and ask like, can you give a gift, matching gift? And this donor actually called us and said, I've never initiated a match. I'd like to do one for a year end. And I'm like, thank you. Yes, we will accept that. <laughs> so. so anything that you give up to the hundred dollars, right? On that particular one, on the one up to, they're going to match up to $10,000. Okay. So until we hit that $10,000 okay. in donations, yep. They're going to match right. dollar for dollar. Right. So, well, so I got, I did that one last night and I already, well, thank I, you. I, you're very welcome. And I also, and I also sponsor people say, who do you sponsor? I'm like, I don't know who don't I sponsor. Exactly. Oh, there's so many, so there's so many and they're so beautiful and there's no people say always who's your favorite and i'm like it's like picking a child that you yeah. can't like nova dash i mean the little you know there's but, the big cats the like little you said, there's no two personalities the same people said isn't a tiger a tiger a tiger and oh. absolutely not they have different backgrounds different personalities different life experiences that have brought them to the sanctuary there's no two the same Right. And if you're watching this after the show, all the links are in the comments. So go yes. and I'll put them up again before the end of the show. So, so yeah, have so, easy access. Yeah. So anyone that wants to know more about Wildcat Sanctuary, it's there. Anyone wants to donate to the different types of things. Um, I had my, I, the shirt behind me <laughs> is the shirt. I know this is too much information, but you know, this is my show. <laughs> I had this show. I had it was too much information before the show. I'm going to share it anyways, because it's funny and you know who I am. So Tammy, I love my shirt, but it's one of those times in the month where I'm bloaty and I put it on this morning. I was like, I look like a stuffed sausage. <laughs> I went with this shirt this morning. Because then it's not so bright. <laughs> I was like, oh, I can't wear that today. <laughs> and, and my husband was like, but I like that one. I'm like, yeah, I look like a stuffed sausage today. So I'm wearing my long sleeve. And you can also, and Tammy would have to tell me, I don't, I got these when I was there, but I don't know if you can get those online. Yep, um, we have a Shopify store called Crazy for Big Cats. So a lot of our um, gears on there and we have one of every resident too. So if people have a favorite resident, they can get the photo of the resident on a shirt. And there's also very cute little things that happen if you join their, um, if you go on to Wildcat Sanctuary, there's other ways to raise money. And we'll talk about it throughout. I'm just giving some promo now so that people know because they can do it while they're listening. But when I was with Tammy, um, one of her staffers was very creative and made Christmas ornaments. Now get this. The cats have these balls that look like they're five pounds. Mm -hmm. But in fact, because, you know, a tiger can move a hundred pound, 200 pound ball that looks like, you know, you'd have to be like, oh, you could blow it over. Well, they chew on it and 
kill it and scratch it. Well, they had a very ingenious thing is that they took these balls that had been mutilated and they made them into beautiful little Christmas ornaments. Oh, wow. And they're hanging on my tree at home currently. <laughs> and they are all, and also so these are game used balls. They are game used balls. <laughs> and, um, and also, and you can get those, at least I know you could get them through the holiday, but also, mm -hmm it's a unique gift that I am very proud of that sits on my mantle at my house. But Dash, who's one of the newer residents and cute as a button, um, but will rip your face off. I'm sure yeah. well. <laughs> he, he made a lamp for me. Beautiful lamp made by Dash oh, nice. in my living room. So um, yeah, but, the, the keychains are a great talking point. You know, who else has a, their people are like, what is that piece of plastic that's right. all shoot up? Well, that's the tiger toy. So right. yeah, uh, we find a way to always help the cats, even through the garbage that the cats produce. <laughs> Does it freak out your house cats? <laughs> do they when care they, about the smell they, at all and they smell it not mine no no i haven't had any issue i mean i mean i mean i do have one cat that likes to jump into the center of the tree but that's just yeah. because that's him <laughs> i just think smelling the tigers would freak out the cats uh, no i haven't had that issue and the only other thing i was going to say is there is a 2023 calendar that um is out that has lots of the cats from the sanctuary in it and it's always a lovely gift yeah. but it's always a very nice thing to have mm -hmm. um so anyway moving along from that because we'll come back so the big reason why it's so important now like in my mind to have tammy on is the big cat public safety act which i've been talking about for three years on my show and and explaining to people what that is um finally got passed on the sixth through the Senate, finally, because there was a holdout person that we won't talk about, but he was holding nice. out. Playing nice. <laughs> nice. He was holding out, which I've talked about before. He's a holdout. He finally stopped holding out. And on the 20th, President Biden signed into mm -hmm. full action that it is law that the Big Cat Public Safety Act passed. And I'm going to let Tammy talk about her involvement and what it is and all the things because she's the expert and Tammy. I'll take it away. I'll try yeah. and make legislation not boring because this okay. is very exciting. <laughs> so the reason we have a surplus or what we call the big cat crisis in the United States um, is because we allow, you know, there's this kind of window of between eight and 12 weeks old, tiger cubs can be held by the public, get photo ops, it's called cub petting, get selfies. Uh, it's kind of what you saw in Tiger King, that Netflix series, that kind of brought this to the forefront. Um, and it causes a surplus of big cats because these backyard breeders just keep breeding and breeding and breeding so that they always have these cubs from the eight to 12 week window for photo opportunities. And this has just caused a surplus of big cats in the US. Our sanctuaries are full. Uh, these animals live in substandard conditions, often disappear. And so this uh, law that was signed by President Biden, we're so excited about, actually puts an end to allowing any public contact with big cats. So that means that these breeders have no reason to continue to breed big cats um, for exploitation or profit, which is wonderful. The second thing this law does is it uh, 
bans private ownership of future big cats, uh, which means um, right now there's up to 7,000 big cats kept as pets in America, and there's only about 3,500 tigers left in the wild. It's crazy. And the cats that are bred by these breeders, think of like a puppy mill setting where they don't have genetic value, conservation value. They can't be released back into the wild. So sadly, tigers in America, as we call them, are just sitting behind fences for people's entertainment and profit. And that's not good for the cats. It's not good for the public. And so this law is just huge and groundbreaking and has been 12 years in the making. I remember starting it with uh, actress Tippi Hedren when she kind of really fronted this 12 years ago. So many sanctuaries have touched it. Um, Big Cat Sanctuary Alliance has been part of it. National welfare groups like IFA and ALDF. Um, it has taken so many and so many passionate people to finally uh, get this passed into law. So the one question I get all the time is how are the sanctuaries going to be able to absorb all these displaced animals? And the reality is it was written in a way that we hopefully don't displace animals. Um, we prevent future ones from being bred into substandard conditions. But there's a grandfather clause for people that own a big cat and register a big cat and can care for it properly. They just can't replace the cat once it passes. Um, yes, we did take the incentive away from the bad guys for a speed breeding tiger cubs for photo opportunities. Uh, so that will be where we'll just see if the falling out comes. I highly doubt the bad guys are going to go surrender their cats to sanctuaries. They're going to let this phase out. Um, they're going to wait and see how enforcement is handled and what you know the penalties are and things like that. But this is a huge, huge win. Um, I always kind of coined it up to remember when we didn't know spay and neuter of dogs and cats was important and the surplus of domestic cats. We we're kind of headed in that direction with big cats and other wild animals in the United States because of social media and everybody wants that next snapshot, that cuddle picture, that cute picture. So um, this really closes a loophole that was created years ago and uh, we couldn't be more excited. It's, uh, you know, if there are cats that need homes because of this, we all will step up because it's so, so extremely important that um, the big cats know compassionate and care and know they're not photo props. Will there be regulation on grandfathered owners in terms of paying attention to how well they take care of the cats and whether yep. they continue to keep them? Yep, they'll have to be registered and they have to meet requirements and things like that. But the good news is, is this is a tool too for when you find somebody in violation uh, not only of animal mistreatment, but of excessive breeding, things like that. There's now a tool that we can enforce. So it's not like the whole world, this is going to happen tomorrow. It's going to happen in, in phases, but it is a first uh, and big step. We're also cautious because we know um, the bad guys uh, like to reinvent themselves, right? They're, they're kind of con artists and businessmen that are slippery, as they like to say. So we're still watching to make sure that they don't go to bears or other animals like wolves that are not in this law to start kind of cub petting. Um, you know, we've seen it with the sloths already started over that. So, you know, we know it's not perfect, but it's a huge, huge, big step in curbing the problem. And hopefully we'll set precedent um, that, you know, wild animals deserve to be respected as wild animals. And hopefully this will kind of set the stage for protection of other wild animals that are kept in captivity. What, so Tammy, what do you think about um, the the celebrity 
ownership because so many celebrities, you know, celebrities have a lot of influence. And I see that a lot, you know, Justin Bieber, Mike Tyson, Kristen, um, I can never remember her last name. She owns, she owns a wolf, like mm -hmm. um, the one from the and rappers are big cats. So every rapper, like, what do you think um, in terms of, I know Mike Tyson came out and said he wouldn't do it again. He has the white, he has that one white tiger. He would never do it again. He's sort of educated himself, but he's had that tiger for a long time. So, I mean, I follow along with some of these celebrities to see where they are, but like the Biebers have their um, two, I call them littles. They're not the big cats, but they have, yeah, the savannas. They, they have the savannas that they paid $35,000 oh, yeah. for. And remember, and Tammy doesn't know this, but I had a little back and forth with Justin Bieber when he first did it. <laughs> and he was less than pleased with me because I was like, well, they're going to pee all over your really expensive rug. <laughs> and he was like, no, they're not. And then they ended up having them taken out of their apartment because they, they peed and they've been <laughs> sick and everything that we see with the smaller hybrids. Right. <laughs> so, so what do you think, Tammy, about... Um, the the celebrity that put the sort of influences and pushes this piece even though we have now the big cat public safety well, act passed like what are your thoughts so you know we we can never get rid of education education and legislation are what need to happen together but the good news is is you know the next rapper who pulls out a big tiger cub that's not legal he can't right. be legal, you know, right. um, in many of them, we still have state and city ordinances where it's not illegal and they've been seized anyway. We have we have cubs on, and cats on our property that are from uh, famous and influential people that shouldn't have had them. And so I think that's going to curb the big things. Like you said, there's still a small cat crisis, the smaller cat hybrids There's still work to do. But coming back to the compassion, fatigue, work-life balance, all that good stuff. We need to celebrate this win, but then we need to use it as a rally cry to continue to still do more good work. Um, so the the selfies and the curbing all that, I don't know if we're ever going to be able to stop that. Uh, but the exposure now of like Black Jaguar, White Tiger, which was the huge selfie guy in Mexico and all the uh, celebrities went there. You know, he's... <laughs> he's now been wanted for cruelty, neglect, and, you know, what he's been doing to those animals. And so I think the exposure is finally catching up with the selfies. So it used to be all you saw was cute, cuddly, I'm playing with, I'm hugging, I love this animal, which is a moment in time. I can tell you, I have cats that there's pictures of that with their owner, and I've have those cats because they've killed that owner. Um, it's sad. But I think now what you're also seeing is the flip side of it, the Tiger King exposure, the Black Jaguar, White Tiger articles. So um, social media can be a big exploiter of animals, but it also can be a huge education tool. And so we're looking at a kind of a social media campaign as along with other big, large animal welfare organizations to kind of start combating that on social media. So education will never go away, but this will be a tool for even the rich and famous can't own a big cat is a pet anymore. It's, right. it's illegal. So there, so there has been instances where owning a big cat has cost someone their life? Yeah, several. Yeah. yeah. Sadly, um, you know, we, the cats, we had, uh, the owner was partially consumed oh. and her son found her, her 15 year old son found her in a cage with a tiger. Uh, I can tell you, we've been on probably seven rescues where the owners lost their life. So this is a situation where these wild cats are wild animals regardless. <laughs> 
Yeah, I always say that, you know, this is kind of what I tell people. These cats are going to live 20 years. Is there a point in time that a tiger is going to be social and friendly? Absolutely. But in terms of a tiger, not in terms of a human social, you know, um, you know, I look at the lion cubs we rescued from Ukraine and how they wrestle in our WWF (laughs) wrestle fighters, they would treat us the same way. And so um, it only takes once for a tiger to do something and not even trying to harm a human. Uh, That's the sad part. That's why it's called the Big Cat Public Safety Act. There is a huge safety issue of keeping big cats in backyards, um, allowing free contact with the public and things like that. So uh, we're hoping this will also save lives, not just save animals. And, and that was one of the ones, I mean, that, I mean, I sort of follow along with some of these things that happen to people. Someone have one in their backyard and someone happened to cross into the backyard without knowing that the tiger mm-hmm. was there. And she, I think she lived, but I think she was pretty badly mauled. Oh, so um, a resident, like a neighbor? Yeah. Wow. Well, and first responders, you know, supported this. Yeah. Uh, Hugely because they are going into home for welfare calls, domestic calls, you know, other things and coming across big cats and wild animals. And they're not trained to deal with that on top of another emergency that they're handling. So when and you see, I mean, you see a lot of times and you read a lot of times when you're involved in this that, you know, people who are into drug selling and whatever, they own a lion, a tiger and their babies, they've got them chained to the floor. You know, the police don't know they come in and they're there. And it's like, you know, and so because they're chained, I think that saves their lives or because they're not, you know, free roaming. I mean, that certainly helps them, but then they get placed in sanctuaries. But for those that aren't, or that are just free roaming, you have all those issues. Like the one in Texas last Mm -hmm. that was found roaming. Yeah. They had a few found. Well, yeah, law you know. enforcement would have to take them down. I mean, well, and that's neutralize and, the threat. Yeah, and that was one of you know the one of the biggest stories was in Ohio that kind of hit the news you know a while back. And Tammy could talk easily about that, I'm sure. But you know, the man owned how many? He owned forty six. Yeah, yeah. and in, essentially, and I'm really shortcutting this. Essentially, it was like if I can't own them, no one is. So he let them out. Oh God! He committed suicide. Yeah, let them all out and committed suicide. And he cut committed. the enclosures so they couldn't be returned to their enclosures. And yeah. so they ended up all having to be yeah. killed. Sure. Um, and, it, and, and so here's where some of my work has come in, as you know, over the past 10 years with animals and animal uh, police officers and safety officers and all that, is the, pr- the post-traumatic stress of, of having, they have compassion for the animals, but they have no other choice. So they don't know what else to do. So they shoot them or have to do things that they wouldn't normally do because they have no other way to corral them or put them away to help them. And so it's devastating for people. I mean, I still talk, you know, I have multiple clients that I still talk to in police work that, you know, that, cause a lot of people up here, and I don't know, Tammy, if you know, um, people love to own bobcats up here because of where we are. And yeah. yeah. And, you know, I have, you know, my two bobcats in the backyard that we trap all the time on our camera. I'm like, oh, yeah. bobcats, you know, it's so wonderful. But people see it and they're like, where is that? And I never, I geotrack everything down because I know what people are doing. Yeah. They're like, where is that? Because they want the cat and, and people are just obsessed with it. And, and I know a police officer currently, even though it's illegal in Massachusetts, he owns a bobcat. And, and they have this mystery. 
they have this misconception, I would imagine, if you raise a bobcat from a cub, it's going to be domesticated. But that's not the well, and and that's what I tell people is that if you love a wild animal enough that you want that emotional connection to it, then love it for what it is, you mm -hmm. know, because otherwise they take it in their house, they declaw it, they sometimes defang them to make them safe. They want them to use litter boxes. They get mad when they don't. They want them to be friendly to everybody, you know, and you take everything away from the bobcat that makes it a bobcat. When you said you wanted because you love bobcats. No, you don't. Right. <laughs> That's it's such the most self selfish thing you can do is take a wild animal and try to domesticate it as your pet. You're taking everything away what that animal's supposed to be and was born to be. And it's very, very sad. And on a and on a and you know, obviously Tammy's in immersed in this on a daily, but I get this pretty often, at least a few times a week, of people asking me you know, about like her sanctuary, like how do, how do all these tigers and lions, everything fare in snow and why can't they <laughs> let go? That's my first question. I know that we talked about that <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, really? <laughs> well, it's a good question though. And I always say, how do these animals survive in Texas when it's so hot? <laughs> right. It's one thing or the other, right? Either they're warm animals, yeah. either they're warm weather animals right, or, or they're cold weather animals. And if they're cold weather animals, how do they survive in Savannah or Oh, yeah. I mean, great question. Yeah. Here's, the, here's the thing is the 99% of the animals we're rescuing are captive born, are in substandard conditions where they have no shelter or inappropriate right. shelter. Um, and so, you know, accredited sanctuaries where they're either the hot or the cold like us, we obviously take a time for the animal to acclimate so they get grow thicker coats. We provide all the amenities they need to get out of the cold if they want it. Um, sometimes we have to make decisions for them. So the two cheetahs we have on the property love the snow. They think they should live in the snow. And so we um, give them a reward every night for coming into their bedroom and staying in their bedroom overnight. And then we shut the door. And uh, I will tell you that by the next morning, they're both on their hammocks, staring out the window, like two, you know, <laughs> troubled children that just want to go out on a snow day. And so, uh, unfortunately, because these cats are all born in captivity and they come from different backgrounds, some horrible, some not so horrible, they they don't know what their life was supposed to be. And so uh, they do fairly well. But obviously in Minnesota, if we get minus 30 wind chills, we're, we're taking precautions for the animals. Um, the cougars and tigers will tell us, you know, which is interesting because all of the tigers we have are Bengal tigers, yet they will they love the snow. Um, the lions don't mind this uh, cold at all, but we have some uh, male lions that don't like their feet to drop through the snow because that's weird feeling. So we shovel paths for them. Um, so, but we, we really started this because no matter if it was a bobcat or cougar, we were rescuing that are cold weather animals. They're living twice as long as they would in the wild and they're getting geriatric and arthritis and they deserve to have warm shelter, you know, warm bedding on those bones and things like that. So we would have, we'd probably still have the same setup if we were in a warmer climate because it really uh, supports the geriatric care we do as well. My other question was about, do they live as a community? In other words, do they have to be acclimated to each other or can they be acclimated to each other? 
Great question. Uh, so some sanctuaries rescue and keep the animals in the groups that they rescue them with. We actually do mergers at the sanctuary. Um, and because they're in captivity, you know, tigers are solitary in the wild, but we have them live in groups of two or three if, if they want, if they choose to, because we think <laughs> it gives them more stimulation in a captive environment. Um, there's Dash. <laughs> but we always are very careful about our intros and let the animals make the decision. So they start out on a shared wall. Uh, a lot of, and, and we just make sure that there's positive interaction on the shared wall before we'd ever do a supervised play date. Uh, so we've merged a lot of cats. I will tell you, a lot of our spayed females are like, nope, I am living alone. I'm independent. I need no one. And, and they get that at the sanctuary too. We never uh, force incompatible groups or uh, cats to live together, but it is nice when they can live together because like they, they have a buddy all day long to, to interact with and play with and snuggle up with. Well, and they, and so, because I am excited. Nova is adorable. So Nova <laughs> is this little, I call her the little whack job. Yes. I think I, I must've gotten 500 pictures of her. When she's, <laughs> she's a busy body. <laughs> she's so cute. And Tammy was like hand feeding out of like a can to her. And she was just all about that. And she just, <laughs> and her attention span is like ADD and she's, yes. like, you know, <laughs> and so I, and I, Tammy and I were talking last week and I think it was about Nova, right? That Nova, You've been trying to introduce her to a witness protection cat, and it's not going quite so well because she's a little Yeah, I mean, they love each other through the fence, and Nova is a young <laughs> tiger cub that came to us from our amnesty program, which means uh, law enforcement can give us a cat or even an owner can surrender a cat. And we know the background, but we don't market it publicly because what we don't want to do is prevent people have, who have made a mistake surrender to surrender and we don't want law, law enforcement who need to protect a case not to surrender so they surrender um and we've been trying to merge these two and the tiger we're merging her with is three times her size and she just won't let up she's just we tried it again and he's like but i love you and she's like but I need to be in charge. He's like, you are in charge. He's like, but that's not enough. I need. <laughs> so, so yeah, so they're still in the shared wall and we're going to do a few more play dates, but it might be she's young and she just doesn't know how to communicate. Cause again, she's never, she came from a home environment where she was bought off the internet. We have to kind of sometimes teach them to be tigers again. And uh, so, so that's why we, I was going to say, the picture you're looking at is not her. That's one of the nope. Ukrainian tigers. That's Taras. Yes. Yep. That's one of the Ukraine lion cubs. So I didn't mean to interrupt you. These no, animals. there's the cheetahs. I was telling you about the photo of them <laughs> wanting to go out in the cold. <laughs> so, they're, that's, so gorgeous. I mean, they're in their indoor bedroom and they're just like, please open the door. It's time to go outside. <laughs> well, they're, they're, they are gorgeous. And I have to say, so I have, I have visited, as you know, many sanctuaries over my lifetime in the especially in the past like 10 years because and I don't know if Tammy I don't think Tammy and I have ever had this conversation one and Lou and I have one of my biggest things was I always wanted to be involved with doing this so I didn't just go local I decided I'm gonna go to South Africa <laughs> and I'm going to get involved over at the M. Danini Cheetah Refuge and Rescue like releasing okay. right so this is how it started for me and um that's a long way away to keep traveling back and forth through. And um, they have a great program over there, but also they, there's a couple um, sanctuaries for lions. And one of the things that brought my attention to, you know, what Tammy and other sanctuaries in this country do is um, 
they have a very strong problem with um, they do canned hunting. Like they breed mm -hmm. for, and South Africa is really trying hard to crack down on this, but they would breed, they do cut. And unfortunately, I absolutely admit, and you learn over time mistakes. Mm -hmm. I did the no-nos because I didn't know. Yep. So I did some no-nos and quickly learned uh, because I had this amazing guide that actually took us out. We did a big private tour for all day in one of the game preserves. And he was telling us how like the babies that we saw and we moved up. He just said, don't ever do this again. He was a guide for this. And he said, don't, he goes, I love that you spent the money. He goes, don't support this. This yeah. is the worst thing you can do, but this is his job. So he was saying, because what's going to happen is all those cute little babies and the two that you walked with and did all these pictures and he told me and I was crushed because I was like, I'm contributing to this terrible, awful thing. And then, of course, I scrambled home and thinking, how can I find places, Tammy's place <laughs> and in other places, Turpentine Creek, Big Cat Rescue. Like there's a, there's a whole bunch of places that are actual real sanctuaries that mm -hmm. are, you know, um, and uh, to not have that happen because it's happening all over the world where there's some serious issues. And. Um, I think it's so important that um, what Tammy was just saying about providing the environment for animals to flourish because they can't be, they can't go out in the wild. And that's the mm -hmm. question I always get. They, why can't you just let them back out? I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like, yes, here up in the woods of Maine and New Hampshire and Vermont, let's see how that will work when we let the tigers. In the well, and, and I think the hardest things people know is apex predators. They spend right. two to two and a half years with their mom learning how to hunt and claim territory and things like that. And, you know, I would give up my sanctuary in a heartbeat and every animal I love for them to live free. Yeah. But sadly, they can't. Um, and so we know what we're doing is good work. We know it's never replicating what they would have in the wild. Um, and that's the hard part of what we do. But yeah, it's, I'd love to set them free. We always say sanctuaries are the bottom of the funnel. You know, zoos send us their retirees. Wildlife rehabbers send us those that they've already assessed can't be rehabbed and released. Um, you know, so we are the last hope for these animals before euthanasia. And so um, we do the best we can, but yeah, if, if we never, we just need to let wild be wild. Our motto is keep the wild in your heart, not your home. You know, we, how does and, the, and you how don't do any, you don't do any rehab and release, right? We don't do any rehab and release. We don't have nearly as many bobcat rehabs necessary in Minnesota, but we do have unreleasable wildlife, which is right. a huge, huge personal struggle for me because you know, they're orphaned in the wild or they're injured and they have to come into captivity, but they have a very different mental state and much harder husbandry than the captive borns. And so um, we're very sensitive when we take in wildlife that can't live wild anymore because it's, you know, humans are scary to them. So how does the new legislation affect legitimate zoos? The San Diego Zoo comes to mind. Or, or uh, like that, or yeah. Should we still be patronizing those? Is that something we should? So accredited AZA from the American Zoo Association, kind of like your big zoos, like you mentioned, are exempt from this. So they're already doing work. They're already doing conservation work. So this really is targeting the roadside, unaccredited, um, kind of unscrupulous dealers and breeders, not our reputable uh, zoos. So the sanctuaries and zoos uh, will still operate as is. Like when I was out in Minnesota, when I mm -hmm. saw it, went to Tammy's, I went to the Minnesota Zoo. And at yeah. the very 
weird circumstance, they had just had three brand new baby tiger cubs. Yes. And, and they were doing conservation on them. And I had a long discussion. I think I spent five hours sitting in front of them. <laughs> They're, you know, because I was, I want to know what are you doing with them and yeah. what, why are we doing this and where are they going? And are you spawning them off onto other? I wanted to know because before I started supporting the zoo, I'm like, well, I want to know what yeah. you're doing. Are they good programs? Are they, or well, does it vary? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here's the challenge, right? It's not, is a zoo good or bad? That's another whole thing as zoos in general. It's more of, what do we want conservation to look like as humans? So if conservation back in the 70s where zoos were breeding to have a gene pool to release back into the wild, in theory, we've never been able to release apex predators like tigers back into the wild. So I think it's important for all of us to have the discussion, what does future conservation look like? Meaning if we're just breeding for life in cages, should we be doing that? If we can't release in the wild, um, is there more humane ways to do that by capturing, um, you know, we have science now that can, uh, versus just keeping live specimens, things like that. So I think it's a bigger ethical discussion moving forward. If we can't conserve land and can't reintroduce, what does the new conservation program look like? Um, and so that's something I still struggle with every day. I don't think every zoo's bad. I think the caregivers at zoos love their animals and caretaking them. It's the bigger question of if we're just breeding and we can't release, does that need to change in the future? And and Tammy, do you think also another important point, because so many, like um, differentiating between a sanctuary, like what I would mm -hmm. consider a high-end, you know, classy sanctuary with all the accreditations from Where every GFAS animal has and, their own TV. Those yes. Right? Um, versus a pseudo sanctuary. Like I grew up, you know, this will date me. I grew up in the seventies coming, you know, going down to Myrtle beach and doc Antle was oh. a big thing. Right. And yep. You go down, you see doc Antle. And now I cringe like, Oh, I can't believe I participated in that. Or they come to the fair and then they have the white tiger and all these tigers. Mm -hmm. And those are pseudo. So how do you really, and this is what people ask me, like, well, how do you know? Good sanctuary versus not. So Tammy, what do you? Yeah. So there's, I mean, the problem is people throw the word refuge sanctuary around. So how you know is a true sanctuary does not buy, breed, trade, or sell animals. We do not take animals off uh, our property for exhibit. We do not allow any public contact with the animals. Um, and an easier way is to, is uh, most of us are all accredited by the Global Federation of Animal Sanctuaries, which if you go to their website, they list all of the sanctuaries that they accredit. And that just means that we are getting an accreditation that says that we're ethical from fundraising, that we're really working, um, you have animal welfare, safety, top of mind, things like that. And so there's a huge criteria we have to meet. Um, you know, so I always say, if people are asking you for photo ops with an animal, trying to get your money, they're not going to tell you. Tiger King guys, we're not telling you. They're telling you they're doing conservation. They are not. Uh, just breeding animals in, to keep in 10 by 10 cages is not conservation. Um, if they say they're educating, instead of using the word exhibit, they use educate. So uh, you really have to do your homework, but we make it easy by Global Federation of Animal Sanctuaries. And obviously, if there's babies they're passing around um, or any photo 
ops with any wild animals, not just the big cats. They are not an accredited or reputable sanctuary. And you go to their site and the Big Cat Alliance, and there's a couple other sites. And if you mm -hmm. go to Tammy's web, you know, site at the bottom, all the accreditations, those are the ones you go to. There's a site that also will list all the different places like that are the no-nos, like you really shouldn't support um, because there's clearly a whole bunch out there and hopefully they're going to be and we know that these exhibitors and um, roadside attractions really thrive and on people's love of animals, right? They, right? They're taking advantage of that. So don't feel bad, um, like Dr. Kim, if you've made a mistake, if you did something, because that salesperson was telling you what you wanted to hear. And so you have to do your own research. Um, if things don't feel right, if the animal's not cared for, you can always report it to the USDA, which regulates um, exhibiting of animals. Uh, but really stay, stay true. The more we can do and educate people because the bad guys are the ones breeding and selling and exhibiting. The victims are the tigers, but the victims are also the humans that love animals and are think they're doing something good by yeah, supporting and this. And so don't beat yourself up, but help us educate, spread the word, educate why cub heading is bad. Never have your picture taken with a wild animal. Don't go to traveling exhibits where those animals spend days and days in transport cages. Mm -hmm. um, there are really good ways to get your fix of love of animals. And that's volunteering at a sanctuary that's going to a reputable sanctuary. Um, we're not open to the public for visitation, but we're one of a few. So you can definitely go on tours at accredited sanctuaries and learn the animal stories and things like that. Adopt appropriate pets. Dogs and cats need our love too. And um, they're just as awesome. And then like we said, is keep the wild in your heart, not your home is the best yeah. way. Now, my favorite story of December is that Tammy went over to Ukraine or she went to Poland and mm -hmm. she saved four adorable. I mean, seriously, if you haven't seen them and you just posted up some of them, they are so cute. But go to her, go to her website and go to um, join on Facebook, too, because you can mm -hmm. see live videos of them all the time because they are adorable. But um, Stefania Prada. Oh, the oldest, right? Tara's the oldest. And then... Uh, Lacia. Oh, yes. Um, and so she, because Ukraine obviously was being uh, annihilated, and, and Tammy went over and rescued these four adorable babies and brought them back to the sanctuary. So now they have a forever home. But uh, Tammy, tell us all about like the process of that and how... How, how did Ukraine lion cubs end up in the U.S.? Well, just, um, you know, people aren't the only victims of the war. Animals are too. And there's so many um, roadside zoos that are abandoned, uh, that don't have staffing. The, they have a pet trade just like we do here. And so uh, these cubs that were being sold for the pet trade ended up being surrendered to rescue groups. And for a while, they were exporting them to Poland and then sending them out to Europe uh, for you know, safe haven. And Europe was full at the time. So uh, a veterinarian who was there doing mission work reached out to International Fund for Animal Welfare, who then reached out to us and asked if we would help. Uh, and it was kind of the first of the four cubs. There's 60 other big cats right now that need uh need rescue and we're working on it. But yeah, it was a 7,000 mile trip between going to Odessa to Kiev to safe refuge 
into Poland and then a 30 day quarantine in Poland at the Poznan Zoo and then uh, getting all the legal permits, paperwork and even a donated private chartered flight to get them to Chicago through customs where then we were able to finally drive him to the sanctuary. And I said, the most wonderful I'm going to them on that private jet. They went on a private jet and that private jet will never smell the same. I will tell you. <laughs> uh, if they only knew what lions smelled like, especially babies. But, uh, you know, I said, the wonderful thing about this is it was a lot of work. Uh, I did it to rescue animals. I fell in love with the people these people on the front lines rescuing animals out of backyards and closed roadside zoos during shelling without electricity. Um, they're just doing amazing work and they're doing it for the love of the animals and they're continuing to do it. And so uh, I, I feel ever blessed. And I also feel blessed that the lion cubs have no idea what was going on around them. They are still the happiest, healthiest little uh, <laughs> balls of joy. Um, and if they only knew what the world did to get them to safe at sanctuary, it's pretty amazing. Do you want to go through these pictures again? And yeah, maybe, yes, maybe... certainly post them while we keep talking. Well, yeah. Yeah, what amazes me is I love watching them in the snow. They love the snow. <laughs> they love the snow. I and they, ha they don't stop. They just run and roll and you know, and there's four of them. So we had three uh, were from the same letter. And we know that uh, kind of a smuggler had them and was going to sell them to the pet market. And they were able to get negotiation to surrender. And they ended up paying a train attendee to put them in a duffel bag and drop them at a train station where the rescue picked them up because wow. the smuggler didn't want to be identified. And the other one was a product came from a roadside zoo that was selling them as pets and couldn't sell them because of the war and then gave them to volunteers and one of the volunteers surrendered Prada in Kiev. So it's just amazing that even though they're separate and two months apart, we were able to form a pride here at the sanctuary where they all are doing great and living together. Um, the first time seeing big cats, I mean, they're just the bravest. They didn't even notice the big cats that were full grown near them noticed, but um, the cubs were like, oh, are you our friend too? And <laughs> so, but they're going to grow fast. They're definitely going to grow fast. So is that, so is that one of the most exciting and rewarding things is when you do a rescue like that? Cause that was, that was pretty spectacular. I was so excited when that was happening for you. I was like, I just wish I was over there with Tammy helping her because it was so exciting to watch you and, and how excited you were posting up yeah. at like midnight. And <laughs> there's so many emotions with the rescue and no two are the same. So this one, the animals were always in good hands once they were surrendered. It was the red tape and the, you know, um, you know, they didn't change any of the import export laws during war and trying right. to get export permits from Poland who doesn't have electricity in the middle of the war. That's not their priority and understandably. So yeah, there was the logistics part was really stressful. I know after doing the Argentina rescue several years ago, I said I never would do international again because of how many stop and goes and on and offs. But here we did it again. And it was so much different than like Dash's rescue and the others where you go and it's cruelty and you see these animals in severe confinement and how they're living. Um, you know, I can hold it together until we get to our sanctuary. And once they're safe at our sanctuary, I feel like nothing bad should ever happen. But we know animals only live so long. And so when we have to say goodbye, you know, I that's the hardest thing to me. I can see the cruelty and neglect, but saying goodbye to residents um, because it's their time to pass on is still one of the hardest things of running a sanctuary. 
one of the, one of the nicest things I've seen of all the sanctuaries that I've seen um, over the years is Tammy's um, facility. And I was telling her this the other day is one, it's very well equipped for people who need to stay there through, through these snowstorms, mm -hmm. um, kitchen accommodation. So it's not just people sleeping on cots and like, right. you know, bare basics. It's to, because people working hard, people like, if you watch her lives on a daily Judson, who's like <laughs> the superstar of the internet for yes. Wildcat, he's got like the best radio voice. He's like, <laughs> yeah, he's you don't ever guy. really see him, but on occasion you might get a glimpse, but he's got the best voice and he talks about it and he's got this deep voice, but they, you know, he's out there doing it. Um, but one of the best things about the facility, I think is, um, speaking to what she was just saying is, uh, you know, my work on compassion fatigue for caretakers of animals in this capacity that, you know, you have a, a tiger that lives 25, 30 years yeah. or, or somewhere in there or, mm -hmm. or a leopard or a cougar or whatever, they're outliving their life by exponentially from the wild. So you get very connected as a keeper and as a, and as a caretaker and, um, but that's more than a child. Yeah, it's well, they're your children in many ways. Yeah, and, yeah. and even if you're not touching them or anything, you have a connection and the cats have a connection because they're sentient beings and they have a connection emotionally and behaviorally. Um, but I think Tammy and her um, sanctuary has done a beautiful job. They have an upstairs area above the hospital for uh, respite for compassion fatigue, so to speak. It's where you can go and just be at peace with you know, either a cat has passed, passing, there's a struggle, there's a physical condition going on, something's happening where people are taking care of and it's being acknowledged. And I think, you know, many years ago when I started doing this with veterinary clinics, that was one of the things is mm. missing is, you know, someone would, you know, their, their, their cat would pass away and the vet would be like, I'm so sorry, I pat you on the back and say, see you later and give you a paw print. And I was like, this is horrific. But when you actually, you know, that's, you know, that's the service I provide is like, I go in and I spend time talking with someone or the group or talking about how did you feel? How does it feel? It takes time. Grieving is um, mm -hmm. deafening the yeah. silence. You don't, you go by an enclosure and they're not there anymore. And that's you. So there's a lot of pieces that you just don't think about if you're not working there. And I think that is a big piece for people in the world to know that what goes into not just taking care of them, but also in their memory and lifetime and passing that it leaves you with, I think younger people are more resilient to some of this stuff, but as you get older and you work with them longer and longer, it's harder because you have to put a little detachment and some distance between mm -hmm. um, so that you, you don't get pulled in because it's, yeah. you know, you have a 25 year old or a 22 year old tiger or lion that passes and you're just devastated, even though, you know, they've lived a long life, but all the emotions of their life history come into play. And I think that um, Tammy does a beautiful job of having that facility there and providing that. And the, and the vet and I were talking about it when I saw him about how that is such a helpful piece. And I don't know if all sanctuaries have that. I know a couple do, certainly hers. I know a couple others because I do some work with them. But it's so important because yeah. it's such important work um, for people to take good health care of themselves um, so they can provide the best care for the cats because it's a passion you have to have a it's a passion project mm -hmm. you get people coming in from all over the place in the middle of a snowstorm to make sure the cats are okay and the enclosures aren't sagging and and everyone's eating and mm -hmm. so um i think that's a kudo to her work and doing that um so it, going back again sorry i got on a little sidetrack there but i just mm -hmm. want to give that a kudo to um 
but so so we talk a lot about the big cat so far but there's all these little littles there's so many littles <laughs> she's got bangles she's got savannas she's got bobs they're adorable yeah. right and so and it, and so speak a little bit about those those come from ownership of homes right tammy mm -hmm. are like those are a little bit different in terms of because you have a whole section of little yeah we're um one of few sanctuaries wildcat ridge in oregon is another one that really focuses on the small domestic hybrids and then we have like people always tell us oh when i call them can you take another bobcat and they say no we're full and i said how many bobcats do you have at your sanctuary four i'm like okay well we're at 28 so <laughs> you're not full yet um but yeah the, the little like we talked about the mentality a lot of times of the big cats is status right it's cool when we get the smaller cats it's a little bit of a different demographic that often owns them it's um, animal lovers that just, if you love something enough, it's going to love you back. And, and, you know, it makes me special to love and have this bond with this wild animal, but it's never what they envision. You know, it's not nearly as exotic and cool when you have a, a domestic Bengal or Savannah cat, you know, which is a hybrid of a serval and a Bengal um, peeing all over your house because they don't use litter boxes, usually not liking another animal, you know, and fighting with the other animal, usually having health issues. Um, because what, one thing we haven't talked about is hybrids. So, you know, hybridization is really screwing with genetics. And so a lot of the Bengal, a Bengal cat is a small Asian leopard cat, which is a tree cat with a domestic cat. That's a hybrid. Then they take usually that Bengal and cross it with a serval to make savannas. So now savannas are compound hybrids and people are wondering why they're sick, they're dying, they're, you know, all that. And so we don't, we take them in because they're really caught between two worlds. Um, in many states, they're not legal to own. Other states they are, depending upon how far away they are from the wild parent. Um, but you, they go to drop them off at the humane societies and humane societies often aren't going to adopt out animals that are soiling throughout the house or that have, you know, uh, they'll do leg repairs. But if you have chronic inflammatory bowel disease and have chronic diarrhea, that's also another animal really hard to adopt out. So we are really trying to educate that these lap leopards that are so trendy um, really should not be bred anymore. And so we have about 40 at our sanctuary. We turn away at least a dozen a month uh, because we just can't keep up with it. But the veterinary bill for our little hybrids outweighs our big cat veterinary bill all the time because of the chronic issues they have. So, um, you know, we're, we definitely have a small cat crisis on our hands and we will be charging forward with that next. Uh, you know, the African servals we see all the time. Yes, they're not going to kill you like a big cat, but the animal welfare act, uh, issue of owning an African serval that needs high calcium ratio when they're young. We see so many of them with fractured bones, pelvises, things like that. Um, every time we get a serval surrendered to us, the first thing we do is x-ray their whole body. And I can guarantee 90% of ours have plates or metabolic bone disease and fractures that have healed completely on their own. Um, so it's very, very cruel to try and take in one of these animals and um, when you don't properly feed or care for it. So small cats are next on the list. We're going to fight for their welfare too. So Tammy's site took in, remember last year when the people in Lincoln mass, Bruno. Bruno. Yeah. So Tammy took in Bruno, the one that mm -hmm. was running around Lincoln over here. We're only 20, 25 miles. Right. From yeah. He was loose for almost <laughs> a, two weeks, I think. And so they caught him and he ended up over 
at the Wildcat Sanctuary and because they, people probably just let them out or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, he, you know, it's, it's things like that. And then they come with, I mean, I've encountered the same type of cat where, you know, the person wanted to make them vegan <laughs> or they, you know, it's like, yeah. Okay. Did you see the fangs? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've been told if I feed them meat, they're going to turn wild. I'm like, it's a wild cat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and it's it's hard. Here's the thing: is not every person that gets a serval or a savanna are horrible people, right? It is yeah. a, it is the owner's crying. The animal's life is turned upside down. Needs medical attention. It's just a recipe for disaster. It's not going to turn out. And I know on TikTok and on reels on Facebook, servals are left and right. And they show all these wonderful videos. And I can tell you most of the videos I'm watching are the cats are adolescents. They haven't even reached sexual maturity yet. And so I rarely have ever found an owner that has kept any wild cat through its life. It's just, it doesn't work out. I mean, from the veterinary care, can't find veterinary care to the issues to trying to find pet care if you want to go out of town or anything. Um, it's just, it's not something that happens and it's not fair to the animal to, to then surrender to the sanctuary because it's no longer convenient for your lifestyle. Um, so, okay. I'm curious, Tammy, because you brought it up. I'm curious about your veterinary veterinary costs, and is that a, do you have staff veterinary or volunteer veterinary, or do you just patronize a, a local veterinarian? Um, we actually invested in a on-site hospital in the last couple of years. We've had an on-site hospital, but it was very modest. And we got a state-of-the-art hospital with a viewing room and with closed circuit TV, because we really believe that if people see the damage done by captivity and private ownership, it's going to start making a change because of uh, what we have to do for these animals. And we have a full-time veterinarian that is on staff and a full-time hospital manager who's a certified vet technician, uh, Joy and Dr. Campbell are here. And Dr. Uh, and Campbell is awesome. Awesome. Yes, they, they're awesome. We also have volunteer veterinarians like Dr. Camper who comes in once a week. Um, and we have rotating vet techs too. So we have a very big extended team and it's many sanctuaries don't because the cost of a veterinarian is so huge. But during COVID, you couldn't even get your cat to the vet because the, you know, it was so hard to get there and the line, the hours of waiting were so long. And so to us, based on the cases we're seeing are more and more dramatic um, health-wise than we saw 20 years ago during rescue, that it was very important to us to have a full-time on-site staff. And, and it's important for people to know that, um, and Tammy can correct me, but for a tiger just to eat, it's around $10,000 a year yeah. per tiger. <laughs> per tiger, yes. right? And then that's not inclusive of their veterinary care. That's not inclusive of how much it costs for a little. Uh, to or a habitat, to build the habitat, habitat or the caretakers to feed them and the or utilities cost. Blue's <laughs> <laughs> obsessed. Yes. Blue's now obsessed with its cable TV. <laughs> cable TV. Well, it's Netflix. So, you know, we only need one account. Oh, I see. There you go. Um, <laughs> but I, I think. Oh, it's they a, like stand up, do they? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it's so important for people to understand um, how, how easy if you know, you, you have 2 million viewers, you know, and I know that yesterday after I boosted us posting and I'm going to boost again, and I'm going to certainly push this out there and, and Lou's going to add a donate, you know, here's a great time. We're about to go into the new year. It's a 501c3. Um, 
to donate because you can you can adopt a cat there. You can do all kinds of different ways. But I mean, ten thousand dollars. I mean, if you can give a hundred dollars, if you can do a hundred dollars a month, if you can do ten dollars a month, if you can do it, all adds up. But it's it's going to a really good cause, um, and it certainly helps. And she has a lot of cats. We and yeah, and we can only rescue. And our goal is we never do emergency appeals. We try and uh, keep our rescue fund full so that. Next time we get a call, we can say yes. We don't have to wait for funds to come in. Um, and we're a very sustainable organization. I mean, we do strategic plans. We want you to know that if you give today, we'll still be around 20 years when that animal still needs us. So, uh, you know, we, we can't survive without donations and the generosity of so many. So like, I, I love you, Dr. Kim. Like you said, as people say, $5 doesn't mean a lot. It does. If you send up, sign up for monthly pride and all you can do is $5 a month, it adds up. Um, our bread and butter is really people that give about $25 a month. We are not an organization that has millionaires writing us checks. This is about a, you know, a group of dedicated people that give what is meaningful and what they can do on a monthly basis. And, and also you have a list. There's, there's a list. Wish list. It's the wish list. <laughs> yes. Things that are needed for, so they post oh, really? that up of yeah. things that you can go on to Amazon. Remember if you give to Amazon, it also kicks back. Yep. If you do smile, smile Amazon, smile Amazon, and you can use, you can set wildcat sanctuary up as yours. They accumulate the money and that goes in, but also they'll have a wish list. So they, they might need, you know, baby formula for the cats. They might need batteries for flash. You know, it's a variety of things, but in it changes. Shovels. <laughs> we needed shovels right. recently and roof rakes. Currently <laughs> no, <laughs> shovels. Ice melt is safe for cats. Um, but you can go on that too. So if you feel like the need that you can only spend a little bit, I mean, anything helps, including, mm -hmm. you know, you want to send something to the staff, you know, you can do that. I mean, there's so many different ways and I know that they're there. So I just, I just think it's, um, you know, I know people often will say, and I've seen it. And even yesterday people were saying, oh, it's so great. You know, and I just don't have any money to give, um, you know, share, you know, take like yesterday I said, just take my post and just share it. So that other people know, and other people know, and that helps. It doesn't, it's not always money, <coughs> excuse me, the, but that will lead to the money coming in to help, you know, you know, with the sanctuary. You guys touched on it earlier. Can you sponsor an animal? <laughs> yes, we have a sponsor program and it can start as little as $12.50 a month for one of the littles. Uh, it goes up to $50 a month for a big cat. And we take multiple sponsors per cat because we know people can't write a $10,000 check to cover a tiger for a year, but uh, multiple people sponsoring that tiger can cover the cost. And you'll get updates on your cat. Uh, you can request anytime a photo or an update. Uh, so it's a, really a safe and personal way of getting to know uh, a tiger or other big cat. And I, and, and, and to kudo Tammy, Tammy is one of the, you know, in terms of if you follow some of the sanctuaries, Tammy personally gets involved and communicates herself. I feel like it's at least weekly, <laughs> which I love because it, it one, it feels personal because she's so invested in it. And I appreciate that out of your heart because she puts her heart into it. She doesn't remove herself from what's really going on. It's not someone else writing it for her. She's, she's there, she's present and she's talking about whatever it is that she's writing about. And so um, I think that bonds you to her sanctuary. It certainly bonds me to it. I can't speak highly enough of the sanctuary, oh, thank you. Uh, you know, and, and um, I had the fortune to get 
there as just a VIP visit. And that was lovely. And I would love to go back and I would love to go. And I told her last week, I said, if we live closer, we'd be coming to shovel. John <laughs> volunteer. Yeah. John was like, fly me out. I'll shovel. I'm like, you can't get in. <laughs> fly in. Yeah. Um, but you know, certainly there, if you go to her website, um, there are volunteer opportunities. If you're in that area, there's internship opportunities. If you'd like to become an intern, um, these kinds of places, and this is any philanthropy. And I know this, you know, I go back to a little bit of Tiger King because this was bombarded on me initially. It was like, well, volunteering. Well, volunteering is important. Like this is not the only, volunteerism is so important and people, people are okay to volunteer. This is how people feel good about themselves. They're giving back and there's, it's a great way to do something. If you have a passion about it, you may not do it with cats. You could do it with something else. But um, I think that, you know, remembering that whether it's a soup kitchen or you're helping out a cat, you know, why not? And it's mm -hmm. so important. But I think Tammy, I, I think Tammy makes it real for people and um, tangible and exciting. And, um, and I think Judson helps it. <laughs> yeah. You have to tell Judson that I was talking him up this morning. Because I will. I will. <laughs> yeah. Our media team is wonderful too, because we're not open to the public. And so they're able to bring the sanctuary to our donors without, you know, having hundreds of people through the sanctuary. So it is, amazing and um we are trying to do you know lives with the lion cubs like you said on youtube so definitely check that out as well um just yeah that's what i was curious about because i haven't checked it out yet are there live cameras in there thankfully? there is monday wednesday and friday so mm -hmm. uh we have have to be judson's been very strategic of how he uh puts the camera because taras thinks the camera's food and so he's, he <laughs> he keeps finding it <laughs> you can see what it's like to be prey yeah exactly <laughs> um and and so then so now that the big uh cat public safety act has passed tammy so where do you see like the future now going in terms of the next thing for animals and conservation and well the interesting thing is i talked about is like we um as i've been running the sanctuary the problem has gotten broader so it's the big cats, we might be making a dent, but that unreleasable wildlife we're seeing right. all the time, the littles, especially the hybrids. Right. Uh, so we, we still have a lot of work to do, but we're going to take this win and then um, we're going to use it to, you know, hopefully talk about how we do protect bobcats and servals and caracals and all the the links and the smaller cats that are not on the big cat public safety act bill so uh, our work isn't done but with the help of everybody out there honestly the the tide is changing people don't view animals like they used to and so when tiger king came out yes there was a little bit of these um the characters became famous but the outrage then followed of how these characters treated the big cats and exploited the big cats. And so I'm very optimistic that um, we're living in a changing world that is not going to accept uh, how we've treated animals like we have before. Even when you look at now compared to the 1970s and what our zoos used to look like in the 1970s, uh, you know, it doesn't look that way anymore. So um Things take time, but uh, we're going in the right direction. So I'm very thankful for that. Well, it's a different world. I mean, we have National Geographic, we have TV, mm -hmm. we get to see these animals in the wild. It's it's not the, as big a thrill seeing them in captivity in a zoo anymore. Well, right. and people always say, like the bad guys always say, oh, but I need so somebody to pet the cub because they're going to turn into
to the future conservationists or how are you going to educate them? And I always ask, what do kids know more about than anything else? Dinosaurs. And right. they have not been looking at a dinosaur in a cage and they can tell you everything about dinosaurs. So there is way uh, more humane ways of education and entertainment. Cirque du Soleil is also another one that shows you that the traditional circus uh, is no longer supported, but Cirque du Soleil that has acrobats and stuff. So there, you know, we can evolve and we should evolve. And so it's nice to see that it's starting to happen. Yes. And not for nothing on a, on another note on Christmas Eve, I know this is bizarre okay. on Christmas Eve, Joe exotic. Yes. He has been trying to appeal in many ways to get out. Cause that yeah. would be normal. Yeah, no, he's not getting out. He's doing <laughs> no. 21 years yep. because you know, he, yep, his appeal was denied. So that was good. Again, because he'll keep trying, but you know, he's not nice to tigers. He doesn't even like tigers. Yeah. <laughs> he's just no. kind of a little in my world. We'd be doing lots of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Joe and I would have a long chat. You guys feel that series was a turning point in this discussion for, for almost all. Birdies? Yes. And I think the hardest thing was um, at first we, we, all of us hated it because it really made the bad guys, the stars. And yeah. it took a while for that tide to turn. But now in retrospect, it was a really, really good thing because those guys' egos got so big, they just went wild with what they were always doing, right? Which was illegal, but now they were throwing it in the face of everyone. And uh, authorities finally intervened. And, um, you know, all of those guys are shut down besides uh, one in Florida right now. But Doc Antle's been indicted. Tim Stark's been closed. Jeff and Joan Lauren Lowe, all their cats have been seized. So uh, we're... You know, and and to Tammy's point, because well, because and Tammy and I haven't talked about this, but you know, so back when that was happening, I was starting to do a, I was actually starting to do a documentary on trying to help do, do the big cat pass, um, and and the one in Florida down in Miami that we won't mention, <laughs> they um, they are surrounded by, and here's where the influence of celebrity and money, and there's some depth in terms of corruption and so and to be quite honest as you know i am in blunt it, it's very difficult because that sits heavy there because on the surface it looks normal for lack of a better word but it really isn't so i mm -hmm. think and that so that one still sits there because it has a lot of protection for a variety of reasons well and a lot of these like doc Antle, you know if his indictment on animal charges is smaller than what they found out because a lot of people that traffic uh, wildlife are also involved in other illegal Thanks. activities. And so right. they, a lot of these guys have gotten on other things uh, <laughs> like right. embezzling money and laundering money and things right. like that. So. Um, and yeah, it's I, not the only shady stuff they're doing. Well, right. and, and I think, and then in the, in particular in that one, it just has been going on so long and it's embedded in some politics and some bureaucracy and some other things that didn't quite have, like Doc Antle had a whole nother scenario going on mm -hmm. and Jeff Lowe and all those guys. But the one in Florida that she's talking about is so yeah, anyway, that was part. And I showed you my little trailer. That was part yeah. of that thing that we were trying to go at and it was close, but you know, <laughs> Uh, yeah, this isn't as clear cut. I mean, when I got into this industry 20 years ago, I thought I'm just helping saving animals. And I remember one of my first cases where I was um, 
outing a roadside zoo for mistreatment, uh, the Fish and Wildlife showed up at my office because I was still in the corporate world, put me in a conference room and said, stop, you're going to get yourself killed and said, right. you need to be wow. witness B. And they said, this is not a roadside zoo mistreating animals. This is one of the biggest trafficking rings oh. of tigers in the U.S. And I was like, what? <laughs> so, yeah, open my eyes that what you see on the surface is just yep. bare so minimum to what's going on underneath. So off air, I'll tell you about it because I want to run on air because then I'll be having yeah. Homeland Security at my house. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I'll tell you all about it because uh, they were quite something. Um, but um, um, so, oh, I was going to ask Tammy. Oh, so Tammy, so just aside, okay, cats and all, and that's her dog who's so adorable. Oh, I think that's the foster dog. So oh. can I, anybody that's looking to adopt a 36 pound dog that I found on the highway during a tiger rescue needs a good home. Wow, he sounds bigger <laughs> than 36 pounds. But yeah. Well, Tammy does have a beautiful dog, Kiara. Kiara, sanctuary dog. And, yes. and, and fluffy. And she's a leaner. She likes to lean. She's a heavy leaner, but she's really cute. Um, but um, she's gonna have an odd relationship with cats. <laughs> she's afraid the office cats beat her up. It's very sad. So we had to work on that. Okay, so it's the same the as every cats. other dog. Yeah, <laughs> the office cats are cute though. They're very cute. Yeah. Um, but she doesn't win. Um, but okay, so Tammy, favorite food? Oh, pizza, pepperoni oh. pizza with uh mustard on it. Mustard on it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Whose food is this? Yours That's... or the dog's? <laughs> um, um, Pepperoni pizza with mustard. Yeah, I... my husband introduced me to that. That's new. <laughs> Try um, it. Especially I'm on Tombstone. To. Definitely going to. Favorite beverage? Diet Coke. Oh, me too. <laughs> me too. Favorite alcoholic beverage? Red wine. Oh, all right. Any, um, any kind. <laughs> Um, favorite movie? Uh, the holiday. Oh, I love the holiday. <laughs> so, so good. Um, favorite place to travel? Africa. I'd go okay. back in a heartbeat. Me too. Um, uh, your biggest turnoff in life? Bullying. Okay. Mm -hmm. Your biggest turn on? <laughs> uh oh, can I say that? Yeah, I'll just He's say my list. husband. <laughs> Your favorite swear word, and you can say it. I say F too often. <laughs> Sometimes there's no better word. <laughs> exactly. Um, and uh, your favorite thing to do for peace for yourself? I try and meditate. I'm not as good at it, but I, I, I have the Headspace app, and I've been working on that. Very good. All right. Okay. So, is there anything else? Uh, see, I want to keep wait going. A second. I got to go back. Oh wait. Okay. Wait. Uh oh. Yellow right. mustard. Dijon mustard. Brown mustard. What kind of mustard? You have to do yellow mustard on tombstone pepperoni. Don't get pepperoni sausage. Don't get anything else. Tombstone pepperoni with mustard. You will. You're gonna love it. All right. Oh, uh, we're gonna have this to will make for an interesting night tonight. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have to try that. Yeah. All right. Um, so, Tammy, one, I would love to have you back because clearly we can keep talking, and I have like a million other things. Um, and hopefully, you would come back. Um, Diffley, and, Diffley's telling me that it's time. <laughs> I know. I can, right. Um, so, but thank you so much for coming. Thank you for and, having me. And um, you're a great guest. No, and, this was fun. And um, I 
we'll make sure we have all your links up and I hope, and I will um, push up all your stuff to get you some donations, hopefully. And we have a lot of listeners. I don't know if you can see the side and I've got lots of people pinging me off the side too. So I'm sure as the week goes on, people Wonderful. use your phone more and more and we'll get more. And I know you're really busy and the dog is clearly like, come That's, on, let's yeah. go. I think she discovered I'm, I'm home. <laughs> you heard pizza. So I know. Okay. So love to everyone. Love to Judson. Love to all the cats. and all. Thank you for having us and sharing our story. It means a lot. And thank you for what you do for everybody, Dr. Kim. I appreciate it so much. All right. Well, we'll talk soon. Thanks so much. Okay. Everyone, have a great new year. That's it. You're just going to throw it out like that. Oh, well, okay. Well, are we are we still alive? <laughs> still alive. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, okay. So that was great. So everyone, there are links for everything in the comment section. Go find them. Uh, links for sponsorship. Links for donation. Links for the uh, YouTube channel and stuff like that. So. Right. So so and then we can can we do anything with that later too to just like push it up on. Okay, whatever. Push it up. Well, you know, just so that people can see it easier than if they have to go to the comments and scroll through. We oh, sure. Yeah. We'll put a, I'll put a post up with all the links right there for everybody. And, and just, um, anyway, so thank you for Kathy and Liz and Kim C. Turner Palmer. And that was fun. And from Cabo San Lucas, Mexico again, and Judy Simon and Virginia and everybody else at, tuned in today and i know there were tons of other people and amy thank you guys so much have a great new year next week we will be hopefully talking with carol baskin and howard baskin about their experience with the same kind of thing but in their own way so hopefully we have health and wellness next week for them to come and join us you guys have a great end of your new year and we are on to our start of our year number four for your daily game phase and that's exciting for me. And thank you, thank you, thank you for making my show great. Love you all. Mwah.